Hear now the word of the Lord. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your presence with us here this morning. We ask that you may give us the gift of your Holy Spirit, that we may have ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word. Amen. It's a real joy to be with you uh, this morning. It gives me not only an opportunity to uh, meet you and uh, hopefully we'll have a conversation over coffee afterwards, but it also is an opportunity for me to thank Rupert and the team, but all of you, uh, for what you do in this community of faith. Uh, The last two years have been extraordinary, uh, and I recognise that that has been a real challenge, uh, Rupert arriving in the midst of the pandemic, but also for you uh, in this place. And uh, I hope that you are of good heart and that you are encouraged, uh, because the God who has called us is faithful, uh, and he will do that. Um, So thank you for all that you're doing. Um, You're in the middle of a series uh, on the Beatitudes, and whilst I was asked that I could pick any passage I wanted to, I decided to sit within the Beatitudes. Uh, It is always easier to be given a passage than to think up one. Um, So I have taken uh, in order mercy this week, and I'm going to spend some time reflecting on mercy. And of course, it comes within the Beatitudes in that sentence, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And the reading I chose to go with it is clearly a very familiar passage to us. It is that of the story of the Good Samaritan. It is one that I'm sure is most is familiar to you, however long or short time you are in the Christian faith, 
or are uh, within this church community or any other community. But I hope this morning that we may hear it in a different way or in a different way and listen to what God is calling us to do as individuals. And therefore, I'm going to start with a poem. I don't always start with a poem. I often start with a gospel reading, but I'm going to start with a poem this morning to help us to look beyond maybe our expectation of this passage. And the poem is by Shakespeare. It comes, uh, it's the, it's the uh, poem by Portia coming from the Merchant of Venice. And of course, the context in which Shakespeare wrote uh, was one of a Christian narrative, and we often forget that. So therefore, his thought of uh, mercy uh, may be different to those who would write today in a secular world. But you will know it. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven, upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the, the, the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attitude to awe and majesty, wherein does sit the dread or fear of kings. But mercy is above this scepter swayed. Mercy and forgiveness are enduring themes that provide, uh, pervade Shakespeare's work. And I'm just going to pick two sentences out of this, themes of which I will, you will hear echoes as uh, we reflect on this passage from our gospel reading. It is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. And the second uh, phrase, just to, phrase just to bring out on this day when we celebrate the 70th anniversary of Her Majesty's Queen uh, accession is, it is mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown, or maybe the throned monarch better than her crown. The quote itself is an example of the esteem that Shakespeare held for those who showed mercy uh, and so he expresses it in his poetry. Shakespeare presented mercy as a quality that is most valuable to the most powerful, the strongest, and the highest of people in society. We find mercy thread throughout our scripture. There are something like over 150 uh, occasions on which scripture will look at mercy. And one of the challenges we have with mercy is that, uh, like many of the other virtues, when it is described in English, sometimes we miss the original re re uh, meaning of it. Because in the original Greek and Hebrew, what virtues that often had distinct names merge when they become translated. And we'll pick that up in a bit. But when Jesus was asked, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And of course, he was asked this question in this gospel reading, not because somebody wanted, in a sense, to explore their, their faith. We're told that they asked it because they wanted to trick him. They wanted to catch Jesus out. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And of course, Jesus could have asked, answered with a whole ranges of, a range of questions. And I suspect they were waiting to see which law... Which commandment would Jesus put that was most important? What was on top? 
And of course, they didn't just have the Ten Commandments, they had all those laws and regulations, probably over a hundred, that were put in place for them seeking their relationship with God. What was he going to say? Could they trick him up? And of course, Jesus responds in the way that he often responds in the Gospels. He is not concerned with rules or regulations, but with the values of the kingdom of God. And so he answers, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbour as yourself. And the teacher of the law, who wanted to trick out Jesus, thought that he'd push him more. And so he asks, who is my neighbour? And Jesus goes on to tell this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is known and so familiar to each one of us. And as he concludes, he says, which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Who was this neighbour? The one who showed him mercy. And what is our command along with the lawyer? Go and do likewise. So mercy, this word that is often uh, hard to translate in the Bible, often is confused with the word uh, compassion. They are often closely related. And uh, some would suggest that mercy is compassion in action. And certainly throughout scripture, mercy is one of God's most evocative attributes. A merciful behavior is one of those actions which is attributed to God in scripture and in which the authors of the scripture rejoices. Often when the word mercy and compassion come along with Jesus, it relates uh, not just to an action, but it starts off as something inside. And so when Jesus shows compassion to that hapless crowd, or when Jesus shows compassion, when he comes across Mary and Martha who are weeping at the death of their brother Lazarus, the word that is used is something that talks about something inside us, in our bowels, something internal happens. And Jesus is moved with compassion, moved with mercy. And there is always an action that is associated with it. It has been said that mercy fuels compassion. And in doing so, it provides us with glimpses of light in the darkness of this world. It is a kindness. It is about forgiveness. It's about empathy. And mercy is also a quality that means that we're not offended. Compassion gives and is not offended in giving. God's mercy is reflected to us in the cross of Christ. It is a direct reflection of God's love for us. Mercy is the extension of and the expression of God's love. It is an act of kindness and of favour, and it is that attribute of the one true God to us. 
God's plans for us stems from his mercy of us and his love towards us. Knowing that there was nothing more that we could do to earn our way into his presence, he made a way through the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, defeating death. Jesus opens up to us access to God. The cross is the ultimate symbol and sign of God's mercy to us. One of my greatest joys is undertaking services of confirmation. At the nine o'clock service this morning, I mentioned that on Wednesday, I'm not going to just be at General Synod, uh, but I will find my way to Westminster Abbey for a confirmation service of children and young people collected from the schools in Westminster. And then after the service uh, this morning over coffee, I then heard about the wonderful uh, stories uh, of mothers talking to me about the confirmation of their children, uh, which I undertook here and at St. Paul's Cathedral. And they are wonderful moments. I have to say, not just for the individuals being confirmed, but for me. Because confirmation services are moments where people of all different ages all different backgrounds, with completely different faith journeys, stand up and affirm from themselves publicly that they want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we don't often get those opportunities, and they are a real opportunity teams for celebration. But we will affirm in those coming forward that, uh, that we will affirm in them the faith that they want to affirm, and we will ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as part of the service, I will use words from Isaiah 43, and I will say to them, just that moment before they are to be confirmed, that God has called you by name and has made you his own. They are words not just for those being confirmed, but for each one of us. And however long we have been a Christian, however mature we think we are in our faith, I think we cannot hear enough the words that God has called you by name and has made you his own. And I hope this morning that you hear that new and afresh. God has called you by name and has made you his own. And he will use the name that we are known publicly by. He will use the name that maybe only those that love us know. And maybe he will use that name that only a few will use us by, that we feel comfortable with or even at sometimes uncomfortable with. God calls us by name, just as he called Nathaniel, just as he called the women in the garden, just as he called the disciples by the seashore, he calls us by name. And that name is written on the palm of God's hand and it will not go. Nothing will shift it. And the psalmist, when he speaks about us being, our names being in, in etched on the name of God's hand, he goes on to tell us and remind us that God is merciful and he is gracious. He is slow to anger and of great goodness, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The God who calls us is merciful and gracious, and he is faithful. 
the writer of the Ephesians reminds us that God is rich in mercy and that it was out of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our own transgressions, that he made us alive together with Jesus Christ. God calls us by name. And we have the ability to respond to him not because of what we have done, not because of what we know, but because of what God has done in Jesus Christ. That is the riches of his mercy. And the truth is that for each one of us, even if today we can recall that moment when we first chose to follow Jesus Christ, maybe the fact is we're not sure we ever had one moment, but we think we do follow him. That each day we can renew that promise and turn again to him and say today, I will follow you anew. And for us to know that we can do that, not because of what we have done or what we do, but because of what God has done and is doing in Jesus Christ. For his mercy is new every morning, and I am so grateful for that. God has shown us mercy. And it is because of that richness and depths of mercy shown to us that we are able to show mercy to others. It is because of God's mercy that we are able to show mercy to others. But also it is because of God's mercy that we too can receive it from others and be doubly blessed. In our gospel reading, those, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the priests, in listening to this passage, if Jesus had left it with love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbours as yourself, they would have gone away feeling good at themselves because they were great at showing how much they loved God and showing their neighbours. They went through unbelievable degrees of a public display of piety. However, that, law, that teacher of the law pushed Jesus and Jesus went on to give this wonderful parable about the Good Samaritan. Who is your neighbour? And Jesus goes on to tell him that, and all the crowd who the neighbour was. Because the truth is today, our neighbour in London today could be anyone. We cannot guarantee that we live next to somebody who was born in the same country as us, who speaks the same language, or even shares the same faith. We have a mobility of a global population, and we've seen that uh, in a new and different way through COVID, with people leaving the city, maybe others coming in. Both rich and poor, living alongside each other, reconfiguring our communities. Our neighbours today could be anyone. And the growth of IT and technology means that our neighbours could be anywhere. There was a time when we lived in our communities where actually we were all together, based together. We knew who our neighbours were. We often shared the same language, the same faith and the same values. But not today. We live alongside real difference 
which of course can be an opportunity for us, but also can be a challenge. Who is your neighbour? Not just as individually, but also as a church. Who are you called to love as yourself and show mercy to? And that question about who our neighbour is, is not just about the action of us to our neighbour. It is about the action of our neighbours to ourselves. It is about our understanding of who God is. And also the fact that we are made in his image. And also our neighbour is made in his image. And it is a question of who we are to love, who are we to show mercy to, but also who are we to receive mercy from. Who is your neighbour? Now in this reading this morning, it is likely, uh, as we heard it read, that most of us will put ourselves into the position of the good Samaritan. That is what we so often do. We become the good Samaritan, showing mercy to somebody else. But it is likely that the first century Jewish audience, the people who were sitting there listening, would have identified with the man in the ditch. Why? Because parables were a common way of of, um, talking and explaining things. Even before Jesus, people talked in parables. And therefore, a common parable or a common story that would be told was that Israel would have been put in the ditch. Why? Because Israel always seemed to be beaten up, whether it's the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, or the Romans, they would have been put in the ditch. And then the question comes, if we should see ourselves in the ditch, what does that say about mercy? And who is it that shows mercy to us in the ditch? The person who shows mercy is the Samaritan. And who was the Samaritan? They were the outsider. Not just an outsider, they were the enemy. So there is Jesus telling a parable about the good Samaritan who shows mercy, who is the one who is the good neighbour. And where are we? We are in the ditch. The audience would also have been used to stories which included priests, Levites, and often a Jewish layman. However, here the parable shows us that the hero is the good Samaritan. The Jewish victim is delivered by the enemy, the outsider. It is so much easier for us to view ourselves as the good Samaritan, the one who is moved by compassion, who shows mercy. But here Jesus is putting us in the ditch. He's challenging us that mercy is two-way. We receive mercy from God. We are called to show mercy, but also we are called to receive mercy. We are, received, we are called to receive it from one another. To love our neighbours as ourselves demands us to show mercy, but it also requires us to receive mercy. It requires us to recognise that the the others, even our enemies, can be bringers of mercy. In doing that, it demands from us to recognise a mutuality in our relationships, not just a mutuality with God, but also with those around us. Thank you very much.
It demands for us to see a mutuality. So who is God calling us in this place to see as our neighbours? And in doing that, it demands us not only for us as a church to show mercy to them, but for us to receive it from them. And I do think that is challenging for us at this time, post-COVID, to see ourselves as a church in the ditch. Because it demands for us to recognise our place in this community. The wonderful thing about the Church of England is that we have the cure of souls. It's a wonderful language. It means that we're in a community. So as you begin to think of your place, who is God calling you to love in this community? It also recognises you have to be open to be loved by them. And therefore, how do you find your root in this community? How do you root down in the community so that there is a relationship so you can love and they can love you, even the outsider, even maybe your enemy? If we only see ourselves in the role of the Good Samaritan, we in some sense put ourselves into an exclusive set, like people who do good to others. But if we understand our own vulnerability, the need for us to receive mercy from others, it opens up the possibilities of relationships that are based on inequality and a mutuality. That is the stuff of the kingdom of God. That is what we are called to herald in. That is the light that we have to shine. Those are the seeds that we have to sow on good soil and on bad soil and on rock and amongst weeds. As followers followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be able to see what he saw, that we are human beings made in the image of God and we are not made in isolation. We belong to one another in creation. That is the starting point of the church's engagement with community, with society, with the nation and with the world. And maybe what a good place to begin post-COVID, in the ditch, seeing the other made in the image of God. And I believe that we are most human when we know ourselves to be dependent upon others because without my neighbour, I cannot be fully myself under Christ. I cannot have that life in all its fullness that Christ offers us. And the parable of the Good Samaritan gives us a model for mercy which goes beyond how often we view it as conventional. It teaches us that love and mercy come through seeing the other, not simply as I see them, but in the light of God who created us both. That recognition leaves us capable, not only being able to reach out and support the other, but willing to receive support from the other. And I wonder this morning if maybe you do feel that you're in a ditch. Well, this parable is good news. And it encourages you, if you are in a place where you feel broken or wounded, to reach out to somebody. Because that is the nature of God's mercy. We reach out for it as much as offer it. And I would encourage you this morning to speak to somebody if something is on your heart that makes you feel that you are in that ditch because we have a God who is full of mercy, who is faithful. And we have wonderful people here that can offer you support and comfort for him.
from him. But the truth is, if we want to be part of a community that both receive mercy from God, give out mercy to the community and accept it from others, we cannot do that in our own strength. We need to be people who draw deeper than that mercy which we have in our own souls. We will only be able to do that if we have lives as individuals and as a community of faith that are rooted in God ourselves, abiding in Christ. Because rooted in Christ will allow him to renew us every morning with that gift of mercy so that we can see others made in his image, that we can discern Who is he calling us to love and be loved by? We need to be people who abide. In that wonderful image of that wonderful vine in John, where the branches and the roots are intertwined, rooted in good soil, uh, attached to the branches that are Christ, bearing fruit. And it means that we have to lodge with God in that image that is given by Naomi who lodges with Esther, who says, I will go where you go. I will die where you die. And that can only come about if we are people who who undertake the discipline and practice of prayer, of reading the scriptures and of worshipping. And not just on our own, but together. But here in this community, you put deep roots into God For it is from that point that you will bear fruit and that you will be able to receive mercy and give mercy and know daily that graciousness, that rich mercy that comes from God. And today, as we celebrate 70 years of the accession of Her Majesty the Queen, we have in her a wonderful role model For those that haven't caught her letter that she put out to this country yesterday, go away and read it. For in that letter, she talks about affirming her commitment to service of this country, for she is one that serves. And many of you may know from what she says, but I I know from what she speaks of, is that there is a woman of deep faith. She knows that she can only serve this country if she is rooted Uh, in Christ and in God. And she knows to do that, she has to be a woman of prayer, of worship and of reading the scriptures. So we have this wonderful example of this parable this morning. Lives that are able to receive and give mercy are only lives that are rooted in the mercy of God. Jesus said, Which of these three do you think was the neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer answered, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen.